0: Welcome to another episode. This is Cross Functionality, episode 17, the show, the podcast connecting coaching, baseball, and softball, male and female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Unfortunately, that softball player isn't here this week because she's getting married. But we did dig into our respective phone books and we dug up Cassie's former coach at the University of Alabama. So please welcome, give a nice round of applause to championship softball winning coach at the university of alabama roll tide patrick murphy pat how are you thanks for doing this oh yeah no
1: problem and i i know that you guys i'm sure you went through your rolodex and you got all the way to m before anybody said yes so i appreciate it and hey i love your story i love talking to former athletes and um i am so proud of cassie um she has a a great gentleman that she's going to marry um we're all up in connecticut um Just going to have a great time and celebrate her and her family and um, it's going to be an awesome weekend but thanks for having me on
0: well and and i'm glad to have you on and, and get a chance to pick your brain on a lot of things i want to talk about your journey talk a little bit about that 2012 national championship team and of course what you look for in prospective student athletes in current day 2022 because when i certainly played when cassie played 10 years ago it was a lot different when I was being recruited like Cassie 13 years ago, it was a lot different, but let's start a little bit with your journey and where you began starting at a division two institution. And then you made that jump to the university of Alabama as an assistant coach. And then of course you were elevated, if I'm not mistaken. Now you have had a successful to say the least lack of a better term, almost successful career at the university of Alabama, but you started at that division two institution. What were some of the things that you learned there and that you've taken with you to the University of Alabama? Well, it was a uh, small um, rural school in Maryville,
1: Missouri. Mm -hmm. And I had been an assistant at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And one of the players at uh, Northwest Missouri I knew from Iowa. And her dad and her and a couple other people had called me and said, hey, our job is open. Um, You should apply. And I'd never been there. Um, I wanted to be a head coach, so I did apply, and um, the the head coach had left like in November, which obviously is you know that is weird timing, any 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 uh, head coaching position that leaves in the middle of the year, but so I think that helped me in terms of getting the job. I got the job. I moved moved uh, down there in January. Uh, I lived with uh, the two baseball GAs because uh, it was a quick. Um, it was called an interim position and I just absolutely loved it. Um, the, it was about a 4,000, 5,000 person school. Maryville was small. Kansas city was close. Des Moines, Iowa was close. Omaha, Nebraska was close. St. Louis was fairly close. You know, it's in a great area Mm -hmm. and just great people. And and we had a, I, I learned a lot, um, did it all. Basically we played at a city park, um, The whole thing was just very, very enjoyable. We had a great year, uh, beat the number one team in the country like eight to nothing, run ruled them in a tournament, um, had a great record. But at the end of it, they really wanted somebody with a PE master's degree because all the coaches at Northwest also are professors. Right. And my master's degree is in mass communication with advertising PR. So that was not going to work. And then as soon as that um, was told to me, I started applying for jobs in the SEC, and then that's when the SEC started was um, fall of 96, spring of 97 was the, the actual um, playing. So I was lucky enough to get a job at Alabama as the assistant coach for the first two years of the program.
0: And so then you went on to become the head coach, and you've led the University of Alabama to 11 World Series and of course, you know, championships and, and I mean, the list goes on and on. A very impressive resume. Now, fast forward to that 2011 season first. We'll start there because in 2011, you actually signed a contract. Again, correct me if I'm wrong and you're smiling. So I think I may be right. You signed a contract to become the head coach, the head softball coach at LSU. You actually signed the contract, but then you backed out and you remained at Alabama. And Cassie and I talked about. Leading up to that 2012 championship season, in, in previous episodes. So, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, Softball Strength Academy YouTube page to watch the show. And there were so many things, so many, so many elements that were thrown in front of you guys. Road bumps that in 2011. That you had to deal with but then there's that one unknown with you and you almost left for lsu and then of course went back to the university of alabama what was that process like for you and what made you make that final decision
1: well it was you know that was we just got back from the world series and i literally was getting off the plane and i noticed my phone was ringing and it was uh, a baton rouge number and i thought it was my old uh, head coach that i worked with uh, at Louisiana Lafayette, who's my mentor and got me started. And, and, um, it was actually the AD at LSU and, you know, he was super good guy and basically said, um, you know, I'm going to make one call and hopefully this is it. And we want you to be our coach. And I was shocked. And, um, you know, literally we get off the plane, we had a hell of a year and, you know as a former athlete that that last final like out you've worked 10 11 months with this team with this group and then all of a sudden boom it's over right and you know it's just like I I mourn for like a month and my family knows that my friends know that like don't even try to find me type of guy Mm -hmm. Um, and then boom and um you know, it was a shock. It was, it was kind of a, um, obviously it was a great hit to my ego because, you know, that's, that was pretty cool that they wanted me. And I mean, they did the, they did everything right. And, um, eventually we get down there and, um, it just, you know, I had Cassie and her senior class back at home and, um, just that feeling of leaving them and, The whole thing just, you know, it was just a. (laughs) I could write a book on uh, that 48 hours for sure. And it was extremely difficult to say sorry to LSU. And, um, you know, they did everything right. I probably did everything wrong. Um, But at the end, you know, that next year, Jim, we win the National Championship. And it was just like, how in the hell did all this happen? And it all fell into place. And, you know. It was just, it's the weirdest journey I've ever been through.
0: Hearing that story, it it, it solidifies my belief that everything in life is timing. There's a lot of things, external factors that are out of our control. And life is about time, all about timing. I feel like just hearing you talk right there and tell that story that If it was a different year, everything that happened in 2011 from the tornado to that heartbreaking loss at the end with that unfinished business, nearly 11 months that led up to going deep into the postseason and then losing Cassie senior class coming back next year. If it was a different year later after 2011 or before 2011, would you have actually taken the job and never looked back? Or was it just those external factors that kind of came into play?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. And I I have no idea, but
0: Mm -hmm. um, you know,
1: obviously LSU is a great athletic school, you know, it's a flagship of that state and anybody there, they know the tigers and they're, you know, Gerard had built this beautiful stadium. Um, It was probably one of the best ones in college softball at the time. And the whole thing was just surreal, really. And the, the, the tug of, being in Alabama from the very beginning, that's that was probably the biggest thing. You know, I could tell you what every player in the history of our program, where she's at, if she's married, if she has kids, what her job is, the whole thing, every one of them. There's about 160 alums right now from 1997 to today. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this, you know, when we have a reunion, 88% of the people come back and it's, it's seriously a family reunion. And so that that tug of all that really played into it as well.
0: You know, it, it sounds like – you hear that – I heard a story once. You hear that a lot about, about a lot of coaches. I heard a story once about Bobby Bowden. He had a player who played for him back in, I think it was the early 2000s. Maybe it was the late 90s. And this is when he was getting – older into his life, into his eighties. And that player went up to him and introduced, reintroduced himself. And Bobby said, Oh, I remember who you are. So it's an amazing attribute that coaches can remember all the players that they've had whether it's however many years it's been and however many players that was was. Now let me ask you one more question about possibly when you were possibly going to leave for LSU. And when you turned them down and you had that phone call that said, Hey guys, I'm not coming anymore. Were you worried that this was going to blackball you from the coaching industry? And were you comfortable with saying, you know what? I might be at the university of Alabama. I may be their head softball coach for the rest of my career, or as long as they may have me.
1: Well, the, The, um, chancellor of the Alabama system actually called me on that Sunday morning. And, um, we had, we go to church together, him and his wife were big, big fans of the program, you know, and he was the, the top boss of the Alabama system. So Mm -hmm. there's three schools, Tuscaloosa, Huntsville and Birmingham. And, um, he called and, you know, he's like, you know, how can we make this right? And, um, he said, I'll send the school plane. I mean, he, he basically cemented everything. And, and you're right, because, you know, I did have a job back there. And he basically made everything right for me. And, um, you know, I'm indebted to him forever because, uh, you know, he's probably the reason why I got to come back. So it was um, definitely a, a, the craziest weekend I've ever spent in my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're being courted by one school and then recorded by another. So now when you go back to the University of Alabama in 2012, what approach did you take as a coach? Cassie and I talked about it last week, how you coached your players to be able to coach themselves. You were very, very good at that. But what approach did you take with you, yourself, your coaching staff in getting over the hump that year? This was, again, the fall of 2011 going into the 2012 season. What approach did you guys take? that you know would be foolproof to get you guys to that elusive national championship?
1: Well, you know, there's, you can work the hardest that you can possibly work. You can, you can be um, in like Flynn with everything the coaching staff does. You can buy in, you can, I mean, the everything you can do perfectly as an athlete, as a coach, whatever. And at the very, very end, if somebody hits a Texas leaguer that hits the, the chalk line, and it's fair by half an inch, and they have the winning run at third, you lose. Right. So, you know, in sports, it's a cruel, cruel game like that because you could do everything right, and at the end, not win at all. Yeah, and right, you are done. Know, we had gone eight times, mm-hmm. and I think that was the eighth time that we went. And after every year I'd come back, we I do like a the complete overhaul or um, study of the program, strength and conditioning, academics, everything, athletic trainer, the whole thing, coaching, position coaching, everything, the players, the coaches. I mean, and and I'd always say, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? What do we What do we got to change? And you know, sometimes it was just luck of the draw. You know, sure. um, we got we got a bad call one year at third base where, you know, the ball. Missed my third baseman's glove and they call it a fair ball and two runs scored. And we lose, you know, three to two. And it was like in the seventh inning, you know, things like that. And, um, but if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything that I could possibly do to help my team win, whether you win or lose, you've done it right. So, you know, and that team was kind of like that. We've had a lot of teams like that, to be honest with you. And yeah. it's just, a uh, in the end, it's, you have to remember the bigger picture always in sports. So it's not about the almighty w or L, because we rarely, we rarely say we're going to win or we're going to lose, whatever. We don't use those two words. It's, you know, remembering the bigger picture always, that this is setting you up for the rest of your life. You're going to learn these lessons right now. And when you have, when you get married and when you have kids and when your, you know, parents get older and all the things that hit you in life you, you will be prepared for it. And um, always remember the bigger picture. It's not about the W. So, and I think that team has it or had it. Uh, I think a lot of my teams realize that um, because, you know, Jim, there's only like, you know, in college baseball, there's 307, I think, division one softball programs. Only one gets to raise the, the trophy in the end what do the other 305 tip their caps to, you know, are, are we all considered, you know, also Rams or whatever, because we lost. So there has to be a bigger picture involved. And, um, you know, and you're playing for something bigger than yourself. You're going to have lifelong friends like Cassie probably has 15 former teammates here this weekend and three coaches and it's going to be incredible. And yeah. if we weren't like that, this the crowd that's here would be here so i think that's the cool part of a a intercollegiate athletic program is the friends for life and you know you can pick up the phone and start talking to somebody and even though you haven't talked to them for three years it's like you saw them yesterday so the the bigger picture is the most important thing
0: yeah i think i just found the title of today's episode by the way thank you very much sometimes the episodes write themselves It sounds to me, what I gather, everything that you just said, you've instilled this in your players and in your program. That's kind of one of the main pillars of your program, and you see it with someone who you work with in the athletic department at the University of Alabama, Nick Saban. He's instilled certain pillars in that program, and players fall into that system. I'm not talking about the X's and O's. I'm talking about the other external. It's the word of the show, by the way. There's other external factors, and it seems like that you've – put together a plan for your program that's been foolproof that doesn't really involve the X's and O's. It more involves just the program and the health and longevity of a successful softball collegiate division one program.
1: I definitely believe that. And, you know, he calls it the process. Right. And um, I see him every Sunday at mass. Uh, We're both Catholic and he, he never misses win, lose or draw. He's always there, which is very admirable. Um, but he definitely has a system in place and he also never talks about, we got to win this game and he doesn't want to look at the scoreboard at any time. The scoreboard is irrelevant because you're playing to beat the guy in front of you, you know, and you want to beat him for four quarters, not for a quarter, not for a half, not for three, but for four. And can you do that? Can you dominate him for four quarters? Just like a pitcher for us, are you going to pitch really well for three innings, five innings, or are you going to dominate him for seven innings? Mm-hmm. So he'll come to talk to the team as well. And always in the spring because he's way too busy in the fall. But every time he comes, um, you know, everybody, you know, you kind of when you hear it from somebody else and kind of saying the same thing that I say for years. But when it comes from somebody else in a little different way, man, it hits home. Um and every single time he has a message that uh, resonates with everybody on the team. Yeah. So, um, and I, what I love at Alabama is I love that I'm a spring sport and he's a fall sport. Mm-hmm. And we have had our soccer team this year. Um, number one in the country got the uh, number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They just beat somebody last night, nine to nothing, but we get to, you know, enjoy they're right across the street from us on campus. So our kids um, and their kids have become really good friends. I'm really good. Friends with their coach, and everything that they do, we get to talk about. Everything that football does, we get to talk about. If maybe something happens that wasn't good, we, I get to learn from that, and maybe we not do it in the spring.
0: Right. So,
1: I absolutely love having a fall to go through, learn from Coach Saban, learn from West Hart. Uh, the cross country teams at Alabama both won SEC championships, so you get to see all that success, and then you kind of like, okay, this is what we want to do. Yeah, and just permeates throughout
0: the whole athletic department so when he comes in so when he comes in it's like hearing that other voice other than your parents voice right when their parents try to teach their kids or try to coach their kids and they they hear it from hear a different voice but the same message it's just it kind of resonates differently i guess right absolutely so if you were
1: to come in and talk about intangibles you would be um you know godlike Mm -hmm. But even though I had just said it two weeks before that, you know, just a a different, a different message. But it's almost like when somebody else affirms the message that I'm giving, it just, it's solid right know. And we had several of our alums come back a couple of weeks ago and Cassie was one of them and she got to talk to the team and, um, they just absolutely loved, you know, everything she had to say and how she said it and her presence is just so, um, professional um and it it was just so good to see you know Kayla Bro was another one um she talked about being the the best lead off in the country <clears throat> excuse me and just everything that they said really hit home with every one of our players
0: sure sure so the reason i bring up the 2012 national championship team And winning that national championship, I know there's some sort of, I don't want to say too much about about it, but there's some sort of documentary that's coming out about that team. I want to get your thoughts because Cassie and I have discussed it uh, just about how crazy that final championship game was with the rain delay. And I mean, people were bouncing off the wall. How did you keep the girls calm? And uh, because at the time when the rain delay happened, you guys were in the deficit. How did you keep the girls calm and get them to reshift their mindset, that focus to then later on, once the rain delay was over, coming back and winning that championship? Well, it was almost like a, um, you know, we were supposed to start it. I think it was seven. yeah,
1: And then we had a delay. And then, shoot, I don't think we started until 1030 maybe. Um, and, in, and now you're sitting in a uh, – makeshift locker room
0: and you know she said that she she mentioned how the the conditions in the locker room weren't exactly they weren't exactly pristine for lack of a better term
1: They were running out of snacks (laughs) yeah yeah every five minutes i'd walk i'd watch a player walk across to see what was in the snack table and it was dwindling like crazy (laughs) getting worried about that but you know little games and charades and cards and you know you name it for a three-hour rain delay and yeah. obviously there's nothing on TV because um, they were going to televise us. So we were bored in the locker room. But once we got out there, it was, you know, it was for all the marbles. And um, and when we had another rain delay and we just we just wanted to play yeah. And our, our fans and our our dugout obviously showed that on TV. And, um, you know, with six seniors that year, you know, we never lost two games in a row all year. And I think we were, I don't even remember, 16-8, maybe. We played 68 games and never lost back-to-back. And we lost the first game of the series, the Monday night. And then I was like, you know what? Let's see, because we've never lost two games in a row. And yeah. and then we scored eight runs against one of the best pitchers in the country the next night and then won the finale. And um, I just think with, with those six seniors and everybody had a different personality and Cassie was more businesslike than, than most of them, but you know, everybody's personality blended perfectly. What they brought to the table just fit in tremendously. And we needed everybody, you know, yeah. the three, I say this all the time. You're, um, wanted appreciated and needed on the team. So you're definitely wanted, you're really appreciated, but you're needed. You, what, what you bring to the table is needed to us for us to win. And so many, Not necessarily kids nowadays, but I think parents don't realize that you don't have to play to help a team win. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be on the field. You don't have to be on the court to help a team win. There's there we had so many kids that year that, you know, we had 10 people in the lineup because, you know, DH and Butcher. But there was 10 kids not playing. Those 10 kids, if we don't have those 10, we don't win and i just i wish that parents would realize that uh their kid can bring so much to the table on the bench in a role position um it just it needs to be said over and over and over because you know if we only had 10 people we never would have won we had to have another 10 yeah so is that like a like a depth thing is what you're saying yeah and just just all the the intangibles that those young ladies brought to us was unbelievable right right right. two of them are on my staff right now and they didn't play that year yeah and you know it's not like jim because you're the number one pitcher i'm going to love you more and your ring is going to be big fat ring and the the girl that's the pinch runner she's going to get the tiny ring that's not the way it goes right everybody's ring is the same size no matter how much you play yeah. and i'm you know we're going to love every single one of you the same whether you play or you don't play mm-hmm. and if you go four for four or oh for 4 four we're still going to love you no matter what so right. you take the the coach out of the equation and then it becomes just you versus the pitcher mm-hmm. and when when that can truly happen mm-hmm. i think they play a lot more free
0: uh, i was going to ask you another question but this is more important i, I think For this conversation, you mentioned two players on your staff right now, two former players. What do you look for in prospective coaches when they were players and something that in your head that rings a bell, bell goes off and says that person could be a really good addition to my staff? Well, number one, I could give a
1: rip about what they know about a position or skill. Mm -hmm. If they are number one, a great person, you know, I can trust them um their demeanor the 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 more i'm in this and the longer i go when i first meet someone the demeanor is what i look for sure and when i when i first talked to you before we got on camera i was like i could be friends with this guy
0: i appreciate it yeah because so- we both go to crunch fitness I just, <laughs> gave, I just gave crunch fitness a free plug by the way Crunch Fitness, you owe me. Channel side in Tampa. Hey, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but I go to Northridge Fitness in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. Okay, so they got a plug too. Um, yeah. But that demeanor part, like, can you talk to a 60-year-old as easily as a six-year-old? And I think you probably realize this, but not many kids 18 to 23 right now can do that it's, they just, it's impossible. The, the cell phone has ruined that part of conversations, right? right. So the demeanor, work ethic, uh, team player, um, can they communicate? And the the two ladies uh, that are on staff now, one is Jaden Spencer, who was a freshman on that, that team, mm-hmm. and then Ryan I. Murray, who was a sophomore on that team. And um, Jaden is our director of ops, and Ryan is uh, assistant coach. But both of them are just great young ladies, and and I'm really, really glad that they've come back. And the cool thing about them is obviously they're younger than me, and they bring new ideas to the table, and I let them run with whatever they want to do. And, you know, hopefully they would say that I'm a, I'm not a micromanager. You know, when you when I say you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, like the pitching coach. it's That's his show, and that's not my show. So just do your job, and um, I'll let you do it.
0: We're running out of time here, but I I do have we do have some, a little bit more time for a couple of other things that I'm interested in with you. I, I do wonder you mentioned now with the 18 to 23 generation and the cell phones and everything, how has recruiting changed for you? Because now you're looking at recruiting videos, or at least you have the capability to watch players who you might recruit seeing what they're doing what they're saying on social media on Twitter on Fa- maybe not Facebook anymore I think that was like kind of like a Cassie and me type thing back in our generation but Twitter you can watch their videos on Instagram you can watch their videos on TikTok players are watching other players on those different platforms and and maybe there's some jealousy that comes into play as well maybe added pressures they're trying to get recruited by this school because this person is getting recruited here how have you navigated recruiting in the year 2022 going into 2023 with all of this new technology?
1: Well, I I think, you know, like I probably, um, I believe like you you can watch a kid five, eight games, whatever, and you can say that kid is an athlete. She can run, she can throw, she can hit, she can play defense, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the easy part. You and I could go to a field together and I guarantee you that both of us would pick out the best athlete. I believe that.
0: And they're probably playing up the middle, right? Could be,
1: you know, probably in in summer ball in high school. Yeah, sure. But when they come to campus and sit down on the couch in the clubhouse, I say that like, you're here because obviously you're a great athlete. But what I want to know Mm -hmm. is what's inside you. Mm -hmm. That's the difficult part. And, you know, our rules are September 1st, we get to call, write, text, whatever. The very first time. So your junior year in high school, I'm going to call you. Well, a lot of schools will offer immediately after one phone call, and I'm like the slowest person in America to recruit because I want to know what I'm getting when they get here, mm-hmm. as much as possible. So I'm I'm asking tons of questions. I'm I'm calling people, and um, but when they get here, I say that to them is I want to know what's inside you. So when the you know what hits the fan, right? How are you going to react? And it's one of my favorite questions I ask every person. And, you know, if I recruited you, and your parents were sitting on the the couch in our clubhouse, I would say, Jim, if you come to Alabama, um, do you know what an intangible is? And then some kids will say, yes, sir, or whatever. And they say, say no, and I'll explain it to them. And then I'll say, you know, A tangible thing is something that you can see, touch, or feel, and, you know, I could see that you were a great athlete, but an intangible is something that you can't see, touch, or feel, and it's kind of something inside you. Your parents would know exactly what I'm talking about. They could tell me right now, Jim's going to bring this to the table if he comes to Alabama, but I want to hear from you. So then I'll say again, do you understand the question? If you come to Alabama, what type of intangible would you bring to our softball family? And then a light bulb goes off. And, and most of the times the young lady will say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got it. And then I, I shut up and I embrace the pause. Nobody says a word, you know, the parents are sweating now because they're waiting (laughs) for an answer. And then I always say, you know, there's not a right or wrong answer. I just want to know what, what you could bring to the table if you come here. And then when they do answer, some kids just blow you away. I mean, like, Like there's been a time where I literally got up, gave the kid a hug and said, I want you on the team. Yeah. Um, And other times, not so much, but it's a really good question to ask. Um, And, you know, some are juniors. Some might be a senior, but they're old enough to kind of realize, okay, what can I bring to the table if I do come here? So it's a great question. I love to I love to hear all the answers. Um, We just signed a kid you know, this past week that I'm telling you, her intangibles are so off the, off chart. the chart. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, she reminds me of Cassie. Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm glad you brought up Cassie. And again, episode 17 of cross functionality guest co-host this week, university of Alabama softball national championship winning coach. I might add Patrick Murphy, Pat. I wonder with Ken, when you were recruiting Cassie, what did you see? What intangibles were you look? Cause she was a great athlete, obviously a great hitter. What did you see, though, with her intangibles when you were recruiting her? Was she one of those people that you got up and hugged right away and said, I want you on this team? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. But what it was with her was her summer ball
1: coach, um, you know, he invited me up to watch. And, of course, the first at-bat I watched, she hits a home run. And she's got a sweet swing and lefty-lefty. I love that. But then he started telling me some of her personality traits. And then we had – one of her neighbors, uh, who's just a really, really good guy, used to work for Nike, he emailed me unprompted. And I still have the email to this day, I've kept it forever. Uh, and it was, I think it was around 2007, that's a long time ago. And yeah. he says, you know, Dear Coach Murphy, I'm a neighbor of the Riley Boshes, and, you know, I know you know that Cassie's a great player, but let me tell you some things that you might not know. And he just went on and on and on about her character about her off the field. And, and I mean, I'm thinking, this is a neighbor that knows this much about her. How does, how does he know all this? And, you know, the first meeting that we had with her as a freshman, we do these things called great expectations. So the coaching staff sits in a round table situation and the athlete comes in and she sits across the room from us. And I have a, um, piece of paper and I have Cassie Riley Bosch up at the top and it says great expectations. And then there's about 10 points on this sheet of paper. The only number on this paper is the GPA and that's number 10. So it'll say expected GPA fall semester, you know, 2008 3.8 or whatever it might be. The coolest part of all that is when we put that number in, almost every kid has hit it. I never include batting average. I never include ERA. I never include fielding, nothing like that. It's all character, leadership, teammate based. So we go over these. I'll say, Jim, you read the first one. And then you read the first one out loud. And then we go around the room and it's like we're back in third grade. <laughs> we read them out loud. And at the end of every single one, I, I look at the young lady and I say, Cassie, can can you handle this? Yes, sir. So all of those. And so after we read her 10, I brought out the email from, his name was Tom Dumser. And I said, let me read you this. And now it's two years before that he sent me that. And I said, Cassie, if you can do half of these things that he's described, you're going to be good as gold here. And then her senior year before her meeting, I brought it out again. And I said, Cassie, you had done every single one of these things that this gentleman described that you would do. I I mean, I just I can't say enough good things about her and what she brought to the table. And, you know, the things she did behind the scenes, like I I probably don't know half the things that she did to help kids Mm -hmm. on the team, her teammates, um, things that she would say. It's just, um, you know, those type of kids. That's what I'm that's what I'm really looking for. Just just the all in team 100 percent. You know, and the first thing I'd say at every team meeting is the sooner you realize it's not all about you the better off in life you're going to be yeah so get out of yourself and get into the team
0: right yeah
1: she lived that for four years Mm -hmm.
0: i can't wait to hear some of the backstories now i'm gonna have to ask her in in episodes that are coming up (laughs) episode 18 19 12 we've got a lot of episodes so i'm gonna be asking her more um more about this and then and certainly i might have to ask her about that email she will be back by the way next week but there's one more question i do want to ask you and pat i do appreciate you doing this today before we let you go cross functionality episode 17 subscribe wherever you get your podcast email us to jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com if you do indeed have any questions with all the new trends though just looking at on the field with baseball i see it in baseball now i worked in professional baseball for almost 10 years I see, I've seen how the analytics has really taken over the game in many facets of the organization, both in the front office and down on the field. It's kind of refreshing to see a Dusty Baker, 73 years old, just win the World Series. But with all these new trends and the new technology, the Hawkeye in baseball, for example, blast motion technology, how do you pick and choose that the right technology, the right systems that you may use on the field? to make your team better? Well, I think it, you know, we we
1: got to hire a um, director of player development this summer. Sure. I think we're probably one of only five or six division one softball. Mm-hmm. And um, Adam Arbor is his name. And he actually was an assistant coach when we won in 2012. So he was very welcome back. And um, I kind of let him run that show. But mm-hmm. if you go way too thin, and spread yourself out way too much, it just becomes this, you get a headache, because there's so many things, and so I told him, I was like, I want you to concentrate on five or six, not 25, because you could literally do that, you know, I've got friends in college baseball that they own every gadget imaginable, you know, it's just, it's unreal, it's, it's uh, awesome to see, but, you know, when it comes down to it, if you can't, communicate and relate to the kid no matter how good your analytics are they're not going to perform it still comes down to it is a human being with a bat in his or her hand if he's in a slump analytics ain't going to do crap for him it's going to be somebody that puts his puts an arm around him and say you got this i believe in you and none of that has anything to do with analytics so i think a dusty baker shows you that you can teach an old dog new tricks and nothing against Mr. Baker, you know, Right, Um, but we can
0: say the same thing though, Pat about Mike Rizzo who won the world series in 2019 with the Washington nationals came up as a scout. He's not the organization from everything that I hear and have learned about the nationals. They're not as analytical heavy as some organizations. That's kind of the same premise that you just talked about with Dusty Baker. And, you know, for
1: him to, and I think, um, I've read something too about where where they would you know come into his office and you know talk about stuff and he was receptive and they were receptive and you know it's got to be this two-way street um but you know I, I love to I love to read stories of um, major league teams and and uh, the chemistry and all that stuff and and it's it's like it's something brand new, yeah. which is crazy because it's we've been doing it forever and when it happens, Uh, In the major leagues, like the the Astros were a great example of, you know, they were still getting booed and, you know, just hated everywhere they went. And then that made them closer as a group. And I got a buddy that's the beat writer for the Houston Chronicle that follows them for 162 games. And I tried to read every story he wrote about them, And it it, it was amazing how close that those gentlemen got uh, as a group. And, um, you know, in the end, it was it was cool to see. How, how the chemistry was just incredible. And then in, in a major league environment, you know, um, it, it was fun to watch.
0: What kind of edge has analytics given you and your program, if any at all?
1: Um, I think, you know, we were really, really fortunate that we're at a school that can afford some stuff. Sure. So um, that in itself, like we can actually purchase stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, Adam has has shown us that the bat speed is a lot faster in practice than it had been in the games this fall. We, we get to play eight fall ball games. Mm-hmm. So he's already got some stuff, um, some data that he can use. And so we would tell the team and I was like, look, you know, you're crushing me and BP, but when you get in the game, why, why are you tighter? Maybe you're, are you trying not to swing and miss mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. And so we, um, We've talked about that, um, but we've probably got four things that we use, um, on a daily basis and we're looking at another one. So, um, you know, I just don't want to get it (laughs) too, too spread out. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. So next week, Cassie, will be back episode 18 and we will be discussing creating a training plan as coaches for your players that'll be next week pat i do appreciate you doing this today do you have any final thoughts anything that you'd like to plug um anything that you'd like to say before we sign off here well i just thank you for having me and you know cassie's just one of
1: the greatest kids we've ever coached i just absolutely love her and her family to death and um i did want to put a plug in for her book and i don't know if you guys have talked about it before but she wrote a book after we won the national championship called finished it and you can get it uh, anywhere, really, Amazon. Um, but about three weeks ago, I kind of reread it. Um, and just some of the things that she remembered and included in the book, I was just like, I could, could not believe that she remembered so many little details that happened during the year. And um, it was it's a really, really good read for anybody that's a coach of a bat and ball sport, uh, any sport, really. Uh, and then another thing is, um, you know, a lot of people love to come watch us play at the Rhodes house and we try to put on a show and it's an event Um, but we're gonna do um, tickets pre-season so we sell out a lot so if anybody wants to come and watch us at home uh, get on the internet around probably February 1st and you can pre-purchase tickets which is the best way to make sure that you get in especially if you're traveling from a long ways so I'd hate to have somebody drive from Iowa And then come to the Rhodes house and have a sign that says sold out today and not see us play. So, but thanks a lot for having me on.
0: I appreciate, you know, that was a better plug than Cassie does. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that Cassie's good at. I got to work on her plugs because at the end of shows, I always ask her what she has to plug. And I mean, she hasn't plugged her book. We're now 17 episodes in. So we've got, (laughs) we've got some work to do, but she's coachable as you know, which is, which is very good. All right. Thank you Pat for joining us episode 18 next week. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we will talk to you next Wednesday. Take care.